Welcome to the Science of Sex, a podcast about the ins and outs of the latest research about everyone's favorite topic. Here's Dr. Jana, an NYU professor of human sexuality, and Joe, a guy who's a fan of sex. Dr. Jana. Hi, Joe. Hey, welcome to episode number 52. Good to be here. Is it good Back. to be here? Yeah, it is. <laughs> good, I'm glad. You're, <laughs> you've got a huge smile on today. I'm not used to seeing such a large smile from you. I'm so happy that I got to see you perform outside of the studio. Oh, yeah. You came to one of my sketch comedy I shows. I did. The clip show. Yeah. What mm-hmm. did you think of me as a performer on stage and stuff? You're great. You Aww. should do more of that. Thank yeah. you. I'm yeah. trying. And so now, as I mentioned to you after you, you, you know, we got together afterwards, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I guess now I have to come to one of your events, huh? Now you have to come to one of my events. And now I know you have one today of the day of this recording. Oh, uh, yes. So I, I will RSVP that I will not make it. Is that, is that no, where we're going? No, no, you can't do that. You can't right. do that. Come to my, come to an event. All right, well, t- sell me on this event. What's, what's, the, what's the one going this on This one is about gender differences, whether men and women are really that different when it comes to sexuality. And we've talked about that on the podcast here and there, but now we're doing an entire you know, hour and a half or two hours of workshop together with Justin Laymiller, mm. one of our favorite guests here on the podcast. And him and I are teaming up at the V Club to discuss these issues. So it's going to be super fun. Okay, so this is on Tuesday, December the 11th at the V Club with sex superstar Justin Laymiller. And mm-hmm. I always drop off the sex science superstar, but he's a sex science superstar. He's Justin. totally a sex science superstar. I don't know about the sex. Well, only part. He's a handsome I, fella. I Who knows? He's a handsome possible. fella. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff are you going to talk about during the, the during All this sorts thing? of gender differences in, okay. in sexuality. So things like casual sex and sex drive, fantasies, orgasm gap, sexual orientation, and more. So cool. Yeah. All right. And you get all that information on this uh, website for the Science Sex Podcast. you got the links on there. So if yes. you happen to be listening to this today on <laughs> December 11th, you might be able to see Dr. Jana and Justin Lay Miller in action and speaking of friends, you have booked another one of your friends on the I podcast have today. I booked another one of my friends. <laughs> yes, he's actually one of my NYU colleagues here in the mm. studio. His name is Dr. Pascal Wallish, and he's going to talk to us about a couple of lines of research that he's been involved with, one on psychopaths mm. and how their sexual lives might be somewhat different from non-psychopaths, okay. and then another line of research on hotness among professors and how that might or might not be related to their evaluations as high-quality teachers. All right, so that's good. So, we're, so we got one of your NYU buddies coming up. But before we get, we get Pascal up in here in the studio, because he is going to actually be in the studio. Yes, I'm so excited about that. Nice little uh, nugget there. But let's tell everyone about Lalo and Lalo.com. Our sponsors. Yeah. So last week you mentioned the couples thing. The Tiani. The Tiani. Yes. Thank you for reminding mm-hmm. me. That. We have been giving one away, right? Via all, like your fans on the Patreon and all that jazz. Yes. This month we've given away actually a couple of Sona cruises uh, during my Think and Drink event that was a few weeks ago, and then one through my Instagram followers, and then one through our Patreon, new Patreon subscribers. And the Sona Cruise, I actually just tried it for the first time right before we started giving them away so that I would know what it is that we're giving away. Oh, it scared me that pause. I thought you said you just, you just tried it just the second. So I'm, No, I'm no, not <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, good, good. Not while you've been watching. All right, good. But uh, I did try it relatively recently, and I really loved it. It's one of those massagers that is for the clitoris, the external portion of the clitoris, and it's not just a vibration. It's kind of a sucking Thing. It's, it has the mm. sucking motion with, the, with the, the way the air gets kind of pulled in. It has a circular opening mm-hmm. that you kind of put over the clit and then it sucks the air in. And so it feels oh. like, yeah. So, and so because a lot of people with clitorises really love the sucking motion as opposed to the licking motion. Right, ah. you can do. I mean, you can do some other things there too. You can nibble, I guess, and you can do different kinds of things, and you can lick in different patterns and different ways. But you can also kind of do more of the sucking thing. And I, f- I find that some people really prefer the licking mm-hmm. motion, and some people really prefer the sucking motion. And of course, there's differences in when you feel more of whatever. Yeah. But for the people who love the sucking motion, it is pretty damn amazing. And yes, there is one more chance for you all to win one of these Sona Cruises if you follow Dr. Jana on Instagram. And then you'll see the giveaway and there's a way for you to, you know, there, there's some things that you need to do, like follow Jana and it's tag a couple of friends. And yeah, it's yeah. pretty self-explanatory, okay. but you might be able to win a Sona Cruise. So if you're not lucky, if you're not one of that, that lucky 
soul to win that, you can go to Lalo.com. It's actually one of the best sellers. So it's, it is a bestseller. So yeah. it's, people seem to enjoy it, and mm-hmm. you do as well. But luckily, mm-hmm. you didn't just do it because that would have been really weird. No. But no, no, there's anything wrong with that. You, if you, you want, you want to go off and use. You want well, to while you were making my coffee, I totally <laughs> yes. pulled out my Sona Cruz, and yeah. That's why you were smiling <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Now it you makes perfect me. sense. All right. Uh, so that's Lalo.com. Make sure you use our code Science. Dr. Jana, let's talk about our guest, Pascal Wallish. Yes, Pascal Wallish is, as I said, a colleague at NYU. He serves as a clinical assistant professor in the psychology department where he heads the Fox Lab. He is originally from Germany, but received his PhD in psychology from the University of Chicago. And his main interests lie at the intersection of neuroscience, psychology, and data science. He has written several books on the analysis of data in neuroscience, so he really is a data Nerd, yeah, yeah. I'd say geek, but sure, geek. nerd. All mm-hmm. those, yeah. Huh? I mean, we we love we love geeks and nerds. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, I might be one of them. He's apparently a pretty good teacher because his uh, teaching efforts have been recognized with the Golden Dozen Teaching Award by NYU. That sounds impressive. Yeah, you put golden on yeah. something. It, <laughs> it, it sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Pascal Wallace, welcome to the Science of Sex podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. Uh, we have a colleague from NYU here with us in the studio. Sort of a colleague, right? Because what he's mean, sort of a he's colleague. not one, he's not one of your sex colleagues. That's true. He's not a sex research colleague. Yes. Okay. Yes, I think it's fair to say that I. Before meeting, you never would see myself ever being on a science of sex podcast in my life. No, no. Hmm. We we created a new experience here for Pascal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. So thank you. Very generous for inviting (laughs) me. You're welcome. Well, your primary passion, I guess, with research is around data and numbers and methods, right? Yes. Yes. I think that's fair to say. Like, you probably have people here who like love people. I love, I love numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love data. Well, you know, listen, the, one of the reasons I'm part of this show, yeah. uh, Pascal, is the fact that Dr. John and these scientists that come on the show, they tend to get a little nerdy and, oh, yeah. and talk like college yeah. speak and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, college, uh, I'm, I don't do that. So I'm here to <laughs> That's keep what you for. I'm here to keep, keep it everyone real. honest, keep it real. Keep it real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you can, if, just a warning, because <laughs> you're, already, you're, you're scaring me with the statistics already. So <laughs> no, no, no. No, what I was trying to, to say with that is that when you have people who kind of come to research from this more methodological and statistical perspective rather right. than a passion for a particular topic. You get people who end up doing lots of different kinds of research mm-hmm. on lots of different right. topics because it's not a particular topic that's driving them. It's methodology and data and uh, the, the research process itself that's driving. Yeah. And so they end up, remember Greg Webster from a few yes. uh, episodes ago who did like some weather patterns oh, in right. Florida as well yeah. as some sex research and monogamy and I don't know. It's like, yeah. Exactly. A methodologist, not a Methodist, although right. he, he was a Methodist, apparently. Well, well. if I may jump in, uh, <laughs> I see myself as a fox. This goes back to a methodolo- a classification by Isaiah Berlin, who said there's two kinds of people, uh-huh. foxes and hedgehogs. And the idea is that the fox knows many things, interesting many things, and the hedgehog is interested in one thing, but it's an important thing. And that's mm-hmm. how the hedgehog gets by. Academia mm-hmm. is now dominated by hedgehogs. The fox has almost been hunted to extinction for obvious reasons. But I am one of the few remaining foxes because I study, as you mm-hmm. just said, eclectically, whatever strikes my fancy, as long as it's methodologically rigorous. And a few of those things fall into purview, fall yes. Into general purview <laughs> yes. of the science of sex. So yes. we, we're going to maybe jump around and talk sure. about a few, few of the different things that you've ended up studying. The main thing that kind of when I, mm-hmm. when I got acquainted with some of your work yeah, that yeah. got me excited about having you on the show yeah. was this... Very fascinating article that you had yes. written for Slate mm-hmm. on how attractiveness of professors, yes. how their hotness yes. is correlated with their evaluation as a <sighs> professor. Yes. So there's a famous, I don't know if it existed in your time, Joe. Was right, there geez, internet when, sell- when you yeah, went to, yeah. the, the internet existed when you went to college and I, you dropped out of college? I went to college with Hoover. So yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm familiar with that. Where yes. did you go to college? Uh, I was in the early 90s in a state school, William Patterson in New Jersey. William Patterson. Early yeah. 90s? Early 90s, It did yeah. not exist. The website was created in 99. Wow. Well, okay. the internet existed. Yes. Right? The site. But the site Rate My Professor did not. Okay. Did not. It was created in 99. Yes. Yeah. But so that's a, that, it's a kind of a famous site yeah. where students can rate their the, professors the, on a number of different things, including their attractiveness. Could. So cool. let, me, let, me, let me give you some background <laughs> on that. And this actually has become recently relatively controversial. Think of it like he has Yelp for professors. 
you can literally relate your experience. Relatively few people do, actually. I would say one about one in a hundred. Unless you sit your students down in your and class ask and do ask them to do it. it. Yeah. Which is also controversial. Uh, but by themselves, I would say only one in a hundred, if not even less, will do it. So it's highly wow. self-selective. Now you can say that's a problem because it's self-selective. Other people say that's a feature because you know if you ask students to give some opinion on something that they have no opinion on, they might give you some some random opinion, right? Mm. So by having relatively high thresholds, so to give an opinion, you have to like log in and make an account and right. answer a captcha, and it's actually not trivial to to leave a review. Which might be good because only people who feel most strongly right. Right. either really loved it or hated correct, it are probably going to go like on it. It's like the Amazon reviews. It's like people right. either love or hate. No one's yeah, going to yeah. be like, I'm logging into my Amazon account to say it's okay. Yeah, I'm like all, eh. although, and I did. So the reason I wrote the piece is I did a comprehensive analysis of, of all two million profiles on there. I scraped. There were two million profiles. Yes, I scraped the whole website. There were two million profiles for professors. Yes. So this is global. No, U.S. Um, there are two million professors. Not anymore. Like so, so, so some of the profiles are like defunct. I mean. The actual okay. number of professors is more like one million. But okay, they, but some are older. Have, I was going to say, that's why two million seems like a lot have, of professors. They have 2.4 million entries. Okay. But uh, there's only about one million professors, but there's some people retiring, new people coming sure. in. At any given moment, there's about one million professors, which is still a lot of professors. That's a lot of professors in yeah. the US. A lot of professors, yeah. but one in 350 people. So bottom line is this. Uh, so I scraped all the data. The answer is actually people do give average reviews, believe it or not. They do, they do provide okay. average reviews. <laughs> they do. Uh, I'm I mean, not sure why, but they do. Uh, <laughs> most actually are pretty positive. So this skews positive. So the average rating is like a four, I think, out of five. So it goes from one to five. Okay. And the average rating is not like 2.5, three. It's like Which is what you would expect if yeah. it was a normal distribution. It's, not, it's right? not a normal distribution. It's not a normal distribution. It's not a normal distribution. Okay. So most people who leave a review like their professors right. more or less. Yeah. And maybe that makes sense. Um, and like them as professors, this isn't a personality see, type thing. That's right? the thing; it's hard oh, to tell. Uh, okay. So one of my one of one of the things that my research suggests is students can actually not distinguish course from professor. So tell us what the what the categories are that professors oh, are being rated yeah, they're on. They're rated on overall quality. They really call it quality, like as a person, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, or as a professor or something, um, overall quality. Then okay. Difficulty. Difficulty, of course. Until recently, until the summer, until July. You could give them a pepper. A hot pepper. A hot pepper, yes. A red hot pepper. Okay. But wow. in July, For hotness. In July, they abolished the pepper. They took away the pepper? They took away. Did you have a pepper? I did. They took your pepper. Oh, no. They took <laughs> away my pepper. And the, and the reason they did uh, <laughs> is, and this is why this is actually somewhat controversial, is uh, Professor at Vanderbilt, who actually doesn't even have a profile, complained, uh, said it's offensive against women, mm-hmm. and it's 2018, and they need to abolish the pepper. And there was a firestorm and Thousands of people come joining in. They, they abolished the pepper, yes. Mm-hmm. Wait, that it's... It's offensive. It's, it's offensive it's to women? It's disrespectful why, to women. Why women, though? Didn't didn't male professors get peppers, too? Of course. Too? I had a pepper. You had a pepper? I had a pepper. Nice. Wow, you, well you done. You said that very quickly, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they took my pepper. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> yes. I feel, I'm playing the we world's smallest violin for you yes. guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but, but what they point out on Twitter is it's disrespectful. It's inherently offensive. A lot of people feel very strongly that it's, it was about time that it, it went. It went away well, because uh, well, professors should not be rated. Right. Because pe- people who come to class, they do not notice the attractiveness of the person right. who's teaching the class. Right. Yep. Right. Yep, definitely. So this rate my professor thing <laughs> is rating them as actual professors and their looks. Oh, here's the thing. Yeah. Pepper so, is, a, is sort of a separate thing that you can choose to give or not. You don't have to do it. Yeah. You don't have to give pepper. That's what I was curious about. Okay. But the calculus was this. If you had more peppers than not then you got a pepper, otherwise you didn't. So, so if more than 50% of people gave you a pepper... Then you have one. Then you have one. Had one, had one. Ha- had one, yes. Um, yes. And um, the idea is... I can't accept the fact that <laughs> it's gone. It. Yeah. It. Uh, the idea is that... And there's other, other, other categories, like, um, would you take the class again? Things like that. Okay. And, and then you can also leave a, leave comments, like, why do you Open-ended like that? comments, okay. yes. But you don't have to do that either. But anyway, my point was that, according to our research, there's no evidence that students can distinguish class from professors. So hard classes got lower ratings you know what i mean like like yeah the students cannot t- and how would they tell if this if it's a professor of the class unless you let's do the class twice how would you know if it's a professor of the class right you're only taking that class once in your yeah, life yeah, so yeah, to right, you right, it's right. the professor in the class are one and that's okay. actually the strongest effect we found the strongest effect we found was that classes mm-hmm. that are perceived as hard are really perceived as low quality which is so not true, right? The the difficulty of the class right. has nothing to do with the quality of teaching or the quality yes, of, which of the course professor. Wonderful but... for me because I teach statistics, right? <laughs> 
So, yeah. so, so yes. So no, this is was tough, tough. But the thing is, but that wasn't yes. the that wasn't the primary sort of goal of this this it research. Was, it was to kind of look at how mm-hmm. hotness, you know, whether the professor had a pepper or not, how that correlated with their. Uh, rating as a high quality or low quality well, professor actu- and whether there was a difference for women professors and men professors, right? Actually, the, the input of the research was to uh, look at uh, sexism. So a previous article in Slate had, had alleged that there is a pervasive sexism in student relations. Basically, teaching while male, you immediately get like a big boost. And the reason they, they thought that was they had done a study on one, one pair, one female male professor was teaching an online class and the male professor got a higher rating, so they published a paper about that, that this is sexism. Now, Joe. Joe. Not being, <laughs> oh a, not, yes. being, not being a scientist. I know, can, you guys, can, you guys can, can be in a boy band. Can you see a problem with that? Yes, because it's a study on one person makes no sense. Why? Because it's not a large enough sample. Why? <laughs> because you should have more than one person. Why? <laughs> because it, to just, I don't know, it's just it's because common sense. Because there's many more differences between the, than just gender between the two people, potentially, right. right? Yes. So you need more than that. Of course. So, yes. so that was the impetus of my, of my Slate article was like, oh, if you look at millions of profiles, what patterns emerge? And the answer is gender was only a significant predictor in, first of all, it was a very small effect compared, okay. to, compared to like difficulty. It's tiny. So, so the uh, so the idea that I have, we have, is that uh, is individuation. Like, if you don't know the professor because it's an online class, you rely on stereotypes. Oh. But if you know the professor, you don't rely on stereotypes you, because you know the professor. Right. So sense? you rate yeah. the professor, the or, actual professor, yeah. as opposed to the stereotypes. So that actually reconciles the online findings with the real life findings. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, but, uh, yeah. So so sex didn't didn't predict much. No. But what's also interesting was that uh, which is the only finding that we that I'm aware of, where females had the more variable distribution. Let me explain that. In every other domain, IQ, number of offspring, the female distribution is narrower and the male distribution is wider. You know what I mean? No. no what do you mean by that? Mean, um, historically... <laughs> Thanks for answering for me, Dr. John. <laughs> well, there is more men in jail. There's more men in the boardroom. I got There's it. a broader variability in life outcomes in general. And that's just been attributed to risk-taking. Okay. Uh, men are more, you know, likely to take risks. Evolutionary, like if you gamble with men, like let's say you lose 90% of your men. Let's say your society. You lose 90% of your men in some weird gambling. You go to war. You lose 90% of your men. Is that a problem for your society? Yeah. Why? No, it's not. The 10% of men can make all Correct. the babies. Correct. Well, if you lose 90% of um, your women, you're, you're screwed, right? You're host. Got it, yeah. You're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So the yeah. idea is that historically societies could gamble with their men. Okay. And did. Of war. Okay. Well, war, right. And so you have more variable outcomes. War, hunting, whatever. Yeah, right. Whatever, right. But in this case, with, with these evaluations, we found we found that the female is literally bimodal. There's like amazing professors on the one side, like Jana, Yay. who happen to be female, and then really, really awful ones. And they're both o- females o- overrepresented in the tails, which is really unusual. Right? Hold on. Let me, let me recap this. Yes. Uh, so women professors were yes. being rated as either really good... Yes. Or really bad, right. so they were represented, overrepresented at the tail ends Correct. of the distribution, right? As opposed to kind of being in a in a bell curve, yep. yeah, right. So so a few women being really good, a yep. few women being really bad, and then most of them being somewhere in between, yep. right? Uh, which and is what you might usually expect, and that's what the male distribution was like, and that's what the male distribution, the male distribution was like normally distributed, no more normal, Nor- more normalish, normal. more normal, yes, <laughs> okay, definitely more normal. But the women professors were Overrated. either terrible or amazing. Right. And so we actually explain that with stereotypes. The idea that we have is, uh, we call this the DIE model, D-I-E, differential interpretation of expectations. The idea is if you have a female professor, right, because they have entered the profession recently, relatively recently, maybe you have, maybe you have lower expectations, right? Right. If they beat those expectations, you think they're amazing. But if they underperform the already low expectations. You go the other way. You go the other mm-hmm. way, Right. Um, you were like, well, maybe they're only here because they were a woman, right? And I have to deal with that. Now they're, now I, I punish them. I, hmm. I, I, and, and so this could actually explain some of these perceptions that there is sexism because from the perspective of the, of the uh, lower-rated professors, it does seem unusually harsh. Mm. And so now the prediction would be that other dimensions where there's like expectations, lower expectations, you would see a similar effect, this die effect. Right. And there's no overall difference in in how men and women professors are rated because, because if you have 
almost as many women on one end That's as it. on the other end. Right. When you combine all of them together, you're going to get That's the middle, right. which is what you would get with the male distribution if it's more normally you distributed when you combine all of them. The, the mean is also going to be somewhere in the middle. That's what I said. There's no mean difference there. Joe, does this make actually make sense? It makes total sense, yes. It does? Yes. Correct. You promise? Yes. Okay. No. How does the pepper come in? Okay. So now as a side effect or side product, we... <laughs> Also, byproduct? Byproduct. byproduct. Mm-hmm. Look at me trying to correct Woo-hoo! the professors. Well, anyway, we were like, <laughs> while we're at this anyway. Let me enjoy this, Pascal. I'll yes. fight for something. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we were like, while we're at this anyway, why mm-hmm. don't you just look at this pepper thing? Like, who are the pepper professors? Mm. And the answer is, if you have a pepper, you are a good professor. Bad professors don't get peppers. Bad professors don't get peppers? No. Really? No. That, was, that, that effect was even stronger than the, than the difficulty effect. So, it was stronger than the difficulty effect? Yes. And this is for men and women professors? So here's the thing. So the the online Twitter mob, to abolish it, the underlying assumption was that this is unfair to women. But in our research, we found, I don't think this is true, actually, because um, the um, two things. First of all, this was not gendered. Male professors and female professors got preppers at equal rates, and it was a function of their quality, not... Their gender. Their gender. Okay. Yeah. And so wait. So the same percentage of both male and female professors had a pepper. Yes. What was it? Do you remember? uh, It's relatively low, actually. Uh, It was like, oh god, uh, one in five, one in ten. Wow. Only about ten, twenty percent. What I'm saying is, good on us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not anymore. They took it. Remember. So the point. The point (laughs) is, though, that. It Let seems, me mourn, Joe. Yeah, no. It seems to be the case that the, the pepper was more given as a reward for good teaching or, I mean, a cynical idea is or only... liking like, someone. It's sort liking of liking someone, the professor. Right, right. But a cynical idea would be like, good look, looks matter, right? Yeah. But we can't tell causality. This was not an experiment. We don't know what's yeah. causal, right? But the fact that I got a pepper suggests it's not looks. <laughs> Also, yeah. also, also we, Don't be so hard on yourself. Also, I'll we, be honest with you, Pascal was thinking that too, so... Also, we could... How do I put this? Also, people gained more peppers... Uh, over time, as they get more experience, yeah. as they aged, mm. that suggests that, and people get better at teaching with the mm. as they get experience. So that suggests it has to do with, with teaching quality, not with looks, because they fade over right. time. So what I'm saying is, I'm not sure if this Twitter mob was justified in get, taking yeah. the pepper. It's very lucrative. So the people who could just took it, they just won the MIT Disobedience Award, two hundred fifty thousand dollars for taking away the pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a lucrative <sighs> um, thing. See, the problem with the pepper thing, though, is it doesn't break it down to just looks. Because right. it's also attractiveness. So there are some people who find, would find some person attractive over another. Right. Whereas unless Dr. John is, I mean, she's just stunning. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. obviously um, it's for the looks. No, but in all seriousness, yeah. I was being glib glib about the MIT award. Um, there was other things also, the Me Too movement and all that. But the yeah. point is that the Raymond Professor instructions were actually quite vague about that. They were like spicy, you know, spicy teaching, like uh, okay. you know, edgy teaching. But... So it could have meant anything could be to anything. anyone. Could have been yeah. anything. Of course, a lot of different things could have gone into that. Right. Mm. But yeah, it makes sense that... Uh, I don't think it was just looks. I think it was right. like an overall, like, yeah, I like you. you know? Right. I like, so it could have been personality and anything. looks and... yeah. Going back to your peppers that you guys lost. So <laughs> in this and when you're this rate your professor thing. So now it's... God, I don't care. No one's asking about any... It's basically just now segmented things like how hard, how easy... Yeah, now it's and, like... All the other things. just basics, yeah. right? Everything else except for that, yeah. Okay. No more peppers. Every, you can rate your professor on everything else but, but not that. the pepper. Okay, yeah. right. But yeah, that, that's, that's interesting that the pepper was even more correlated with quality than the difficulty right. was. Because it's a huge effect. It's a huge effect. Huge effect. Yeah. Basically, if, if you, you're a bad professor, you did not have a pepper. No, and think about it, no matter how hot you were, right? Correct. It, it could have been yeah, Brad some Pitt of those teaching in class. must have been hot, right? Yes. right? Physically, right. like, look, looks-wise, yeah, yeah. they must have That's been attractive, but they didn't That's get That's what I'm saying. Pepper. I don't think it's the, each other. I think it's just looks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. a very right. sad story about the pepper. <laughs> well, yeah. no. Look, like I said, like if you do think that this objectified the professor, then yeah, good riddance, I guess. Well, that's a bigger, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a bigger conversation around is, is, is that problematic to rate people on attractiveness? And we can certainly argue about that. I, I personally don't think that's... Well, you probably also would argue from a realistic perspective, just because you took the pepper away on a rate my professor side doesn't mean the, the students will not, will stop doing that. Right. <laughs> if they did that before, <laughs> right. that will not stop them from doing that, I guess. Uh, well, it certainly won't stop them from doing it in their heads. You right, know, yeah. Right, right. Making the decision whether they find a professor hot. Right, because you cannot not see... What you see. What you see. Right. <laughs> and that yes, have yes. A, the, the effect on you that it does. And right. one of the things that we all have to encounter in our 
everyday lives is other people that we interact yes. with and we make these judgments about whether we find them physically attractive yes. or not. Now, whether we're going to do something about that, whether we're going right. to express our, our interests or not, that's a whole other question. Right. But we cannot not make those kinds of judgments. Right, but this is inherently offensive, objectionable, unprofessional, should, should be gone, right? Yeah. Other people say, what's the harm, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people will do this anyway. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's playful, whatever. And uh, we need to find a, you know, and a way as a society to negotiate that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right now, um, yeah, good luck with well, that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's a way to reflect that score without the pepper, obviously. So someone could, even if they're hot, you might think, oh, okay, that's a good professor, but that's not, you're not rating them with an actual pepper. You're doing it within the scores. Within the quality of teaching yeah, whatever, or whatever. Right, right, right. Brackets, still there. Yeah. Okay, you could mention that in the comments. As a matter of fact, if you're interested, we have the data. I mean, like we have like, a, we could correlate the words that are used yeah. to assess the professors. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And th- those have you have you tried doing that? Have you tried yeah. looking at like how often hot or attractive or whatever? not for the pepper because I guess that was not our primary focus. But mm. we do find that uh, the okay the, the Roman professor has now introduced forgot to mention this since recently since 2015 these tags have you seen the tags? No. Just 20 semantic tags like hilarious oh, okay. or caring or mm. something like that, and those are gendered. So the male professors are more often hilarious or judged as hilarious, hmm. and the female ones are more often just as like caring. Right. That is, that is, there, there is a difference in that. But again, these these average out. So the, the, the males are perceived as more like I guess competent slash funny, mm-hmm. like stereotypically evolutionary, like sexual, right? Know, the whole thing versus like caring, nurturing, like group projects, uh, extra credits, amazing. Interesting. Um, the biggest thing I can tell you from our data set is if, if you are female, offer extra credit. That will be perceived as positive. If you're male, that has no effect at all. As a matter of fact, I should stop doing that. Stop, <laughs> stop offering extra credit. Yeah, you should apply your, your yeah, findings yeah, yeah. to your own life Have to you make your life easier. Have you heard practice what you preach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a small effect. It's a small effect. <laughs> okay. But that was a gendered effect. Extra credit was, really? all, was I only... I should give students extra credit if I want better, that was better the, ratings. That was the most gendered thing. If you're female... You basically expected to give extra credit, then that will be that will be so seen a, as positive. It's basically punishment if oh, yeah. you're not giving right, it. Right. Uh, whereas, whereas if I do it, I guess it, then no one cares. I, can we go back to the beginning on this with the rating professors? What what are these scores used for? Like, can does that? Oh. do you say keep your job from getting good? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, just out of curiosity, <laughs> no. what does so that mean? The right. reality is, I think there's no you know impact professionally. Okay. But my students students use this. Students use it to make a decision whether they want to take a class or not. Got it. Whether, you know, how what kinds of expectations to form about what right. this class is going to be like. Is it going to be a hard one? Right, is it right, right, be right. An easy one. It sets so the expectations, on. yes. Got it. So it doesn't affect professors. No, no, professionally at all. does not. No. 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 So. However, if I Google Jana, I bet you right now it's on the first page of the results. Is it isn't it? What is? You rate my professor score. Google do Okay, it right let's 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 check. Well, my Twitter, okay, Forbes, Forbes, LinkedIn. Oh, rate my professor. It is on the first one. Huh? So, so because the page is You're so highly right. trafficked, it's probably on every professor's first site. First, oh, yeah, yeah. So if it's if that's low, I mean, you don't. That's not. You don't want it to be the first thing people see. Oh wow, let's let's get into this. Overall quality, three point five. That's out of five, right? So that's average. Uh, yeah, out of five. Really? Yeah, but so that's this is average? a mix. It's a mix of developmental psych oh. and my sexuality classes, and my develop and the developmental psych class is so much bigger. Oh, so many more, and I'm so it's sorry. much more difficult. I'm sorry class. for your loss. I know. So I can know. we talk about some of these uh, genre tags? Tough grader. Oh wow. Mm. That's for developmental psych. Inspirational. Inspirational. <laughs> that's good. Respected. That's good. Okay. Hilarious. Hilarious. I am hilarious. Wow, you got some of that. Right, right. Uh, I'm a guy. You're a guy, and but the highest is get ready to read. A lot of readings. <laughs> yeah, those are not good, by the way. Lots of re- uh, get ready to read. We found lowers your average score. So that's mm-hmm. that's why the score is not five. Yeah, Doctor John, don't read any mm-hmm. of these reviews. No, no, I know, I I know what happens with the developmental site class. I get I get much. Worse reviews, yeah. and then the sexuality also, classes, I get great reviews. There's also a big difference between a mm-hmm. mandatory class like developmental psychology that students have to take oh, okay. and a self-selected class that the students are into, you know what I mean? Like the homosexuality class yeah, and all of that course. stuff. Okay. Right. Jana, stop reading. 
Jana. Yeah, don't read, don't read, don't, <laughs> I, don't read that. I caught one and I'm like, oh, Jana doesn't scroll down. The thing is, scroll is down. Joe, this does upset some some professors too that they read it, they delete their profile or force, force, <gasps> really? the, force, yeah. force the website to delete it. So for instance, that professor that wrote the, um, that article that about the gender discrimination, yeah. she had a one, 1.0, okay? And she, after that, forced the website to delete the profile. Wow, okay. So, hmm. so. It's just the first two that are bad. Just read, just read <laughs> pa- after that. You have awesome, 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 awesome. Hit the X, awesome, hit the X on the top of the browser. Yeah, don't read these things. <laughs> don't read that. Okay, okay. Moving on, moving yes. on, moving on. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and anyway, so where, where, what else? Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm into like, uh, you know. You're into y- psychopaths. Human, exactly. Human diversity in general, and one of that is psychopathy. Yes. So I keep hearing students raving about your class on psychopaths. Yes. And I don't want to get too deep into psychopathy. Oh, well, you know what's a good question? For, for You know, a lot of people throw around the word, you're a psycho. You're a yeah. psychopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What okay. is a psychopath? Okay, so ex- define psychopath and how it might differ from a sociopath. Oh, yeah, sure. And um, then then let's, instead of going deep into everything about psychopaths, yeah. let's talk about how the, the sex it might it. have a relevance yeah, yeah. to sex. All right, so briefly, a psychopath, uh, psychopathy affects about 1% of the population. It is not a psycho, as in psychosis. They're usually very in touch with reality. They don't have delusions. They don't have schizophrenia, usually. But uh, they are characterized by what I would call a lack of conscience. Okay. They have no conscience. No okay. empathy, no conscience. Correct. And uh, there's three dimensions of this. One is callousness, like like Jonathan just said, like they might hurt you, but other, might, other people might hurt you, but they will feel, feel bad they about it. They don't care, it. right. They just don't care. The second thing is, yes, they will hurt you. That's the behavioral dimension. And the third one is they are like very impulsive. They're like, hey, Joe, let's go to Paris tonight. The show was like, yeah, let's do that. You know? Yeah, no, I'd I don't say think no to Joe that. would yeah, say would yes say that. to that. Yeah, yeah. No, but a lot of that falls. A lot of that falls into the sociopath, right? No, no, no. So it's what a sociopath is is a so psychopathy idea is that's biological. You are like born that way. Speaking of like <laughs> sexual things, as a, a psychopath, are born that way. Okay, okay. They come out of the box like that. Um, sociopaths are made by society, oh. uh, environment, usually okay. a traumatic environment, which is also hope, by the way, because I was just talking with John in the elevator. Like, if you're an actual sociopath and you're just a callous individual because you had a traumatic childhood usually. There is hope for you. Love can cure that. If you're a psycho, it's like a, I should make a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Uh, if you're a psych- this would be the worst Hallmark movie. <laughs> if you're a psychopath, that will not help you. So the traits are the same. It's just yes. how you got to that correct, point. Correct, correct, correct. And, and the treatment. Like, like if you're a psychopath, there's, we tried acid. We tried ECT. We tried wait, lo- wait, lobotomies. What's ECT? Oh, ECT is electric shock therapy, like a, like one flew over a cuckoo's nest. Ooh, okay. Uh, the idea is for like depression, it's very effective, but it takes your memory sometimes. <laughs> um, we tried we tried lobotomies, dis- disconnect the frontal lobe from uh, from the rest of the brain. We tried drafting them into the military, drafting them into the military yes, in, the, in Vietnam. Yeah. Jeez, but nothing worked. For, if you're a psychopath, there's yet a nothing. Treat- well, it's probably this piece. Okay. It looks like it's not like a lifestyle choice. You don't wake up one day and like, oh, <laughs> decide you're gonna I'll try be a psychopath. Psychopathic lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like there's pieces of the brain missing. Mm. Okay. Okay. In the paralympic system, you don't have them. It also has advantages. They don't get depressed because the the piece that causes depression is usually rumination. You ruminate about something that happened. Right. They don't do that. They it's era twenty five. They don't have that, so they don't get depressed. Wow. Um, so the cure would be what? What are you gonna do if that's the case? But if you're oh my soci- god, am I a psychopath? But if you're a sociopath, <laughs> but if you're a sociopath, uh, and it's like trauma- traumatic background, right? Right, something happened in your childhood. Yeah, yeah like that. that can be cured. I mean, it might take it's a not, long time. I'm not saying it's, it's going to yeah. be easy. No one says it's going to be easy, but right. it's possible. Whereas, to our knowledge, to my knowledge, there's no effective treatment for psychopathy. We've tried a lot. And when you're saying there's a piece missing that kind of makes them feel depressed, makes other people feel depressed, right. is that is that uh, a kind of a necessary condition for psychopathy, We've, or well, more like uh, are there other people who are missing this piece and yet are cool. not psychopaths? That's a good. That's a good question. Uh, all these things are on a spectrum. All these things are on a great gradient. Uh, it's not just that area. There's other areas in the Paralympic system. But the idea is that we have a pretty elaborate, we have a good idea what causes depression, which is basically tra- trauma or stress, right, that you ruminate about that over time will make you depressed if you're so predisposed. If like, you're so predisposed. Yeah, predisposed is a stress model. But the thing about psychopaths is they don't get PTSD. They cause PTSD. That makes sense. Right, no. 
Because they were born like that, so not, nothing right. happened. To no. So, so that's the thing. So often if you look at them, like there's nothing in the background that very privileged backgrounds, they're very sheltered sometimes. They're normal s- childhoods, no trauma, no, no neglect. No, nothing. Their mm. siblings are normal, quote unquote, but they are psychopaths. And this starts to show oh, relatively early, early, early in early, life. Early on. Right? Like, like if you're an expert, you can tell early. Like we don't say childhood psychopathy because <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't want to stigmatize and You don't want to stigmatize kids. and label people. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's called conduct disorder for kids. But if you know what you're looking for, you can see this like age two. Um, Give us some signs in like those I said, early days. Like I said, hurting other kids, uh, being callous about it. Uh, I'm in touch with this conduct disorder support group. We have like a thousand conduct disorder people on Facebook. They all swear it's like urinating, hiding, hiding urine. The, the old triad was like setting fires, hurting animals, bedwetting. That's no longer believed to be the case because bedwetting can actually be a result, result of trauma, result and of bullying. Anxiety, and anxiety. Yeah. And anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the old triad that's no longer believed. But Hurting animals is not great. Not, no. a great, not a great sign. Setting, <laughs> setting fire is not great. Uh, but that could be carelessness. So hurting animals thing is, is usually a bad sign. Hurting other kids. What they often say is other kids learned how to play with toys. I learned how to play people. If that makes oh, sense. They right. like, like to figure out how to play adults. Like make them, they cry as so the adult does what they want. I mean, They're manipulative. Very manipulative, right? manipulative. That's part of the condition. Uh, now, Dr. Jana was worried for a second that she might be a psychopath. Because of the depression piece. You don't get depressed. Because I don't get depressed. Good for you. I mean, so I'm just wondering how much oh, hey, just I need other things in order to be a psychopath. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, no, 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 no. This yeah. is not sufficient. This is not sufficient. I didn't <laughs> okay. say this it's is not sufficient. sufficient. No. No, no, it's no. necessary but not sufficient. Correct. Okay. Um, Do psychopaths like sex? That was going to get there. They, 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 <laughs> because they, I was leading the genre direction. They love sex. Okay, John is psychopath. Sex. They love yes. sex. Uh, they, their strategy is like short-term, lots of short-term sexual relationships. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> they don't really believe in like consensus. They believe in like manipulation. You mean consent? Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Consent. consent. They believe in like manipulating people, Roof, roofies, they believe in that. Okay, I don't think John's done any of that. So, um, okay. I have not so as a matter of okay. fact, nope. I mean, this may be a somewhat controversial position, but a lot of these recent, you know, debate about sexual violence and sexual harassment, all that, I believe a lot of them are underlying psych- psychopath issues, you know. Mm. The best, the best way to think about it is um, a psychopath will not respect you as a human being and your dignity. They will see you as a means to an end, if that makes sense. Hmm. Right. And, and if right. their end is they want to have sex with you, yeah, then they're going to do whatever they, do they need to do, whether and, it's manipulation and so, or force So when you said about emotion, it's an interesting point. So so the, the textbook says they're like emotionally shallow, but that's not really true. They, 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 they love pleasure mm-hmm. and they don't like pain, just like everybody else. It's these complex emotions like guilt that they don't have. Right, right. Pleasure, yes. And so, I mean, I mean, they're really cruel. I mean, so, so this one psychopath I'm in touch with, female psychopath actually, uh, she plays games with her boyfriend. Like she disappears on thank, uh, not Thanksgiving, on uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day and, <laughs> and he cries, and she thinks that's hilarious. And like, oh, jeez. Yeah. So, so I think Jana did that to her boyfriend last year. <laughs> so, so, I did not do that. So, so they don't that's actually so un- understand. Like the idea is like a, a normal person. What, for normal what love is is like an attachment to a person. Right. But they don't understand what that is. They're like, I love you or I love something means I have a good time. There's no With attachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a is there a, like a reference point for like in history? Like, or do we know in in the oh, yeah. history of man? Like, who oh, was yeah. a psychopath? Like, give me a couple of psychopaths. <laughs> Hitler, Stalin. Okay. Uh, so like those dictator types were pretty much. Oh yeah, much dictators all. big, big, big. Okay. But but also, I mean, this it's, this is all very controversial. But yeah, of course. But simply like Christopher Columbus was a psychopath. Who? Christopher Columbus. Columbus. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure if he's a psychopath, but he was quite ballsy. I mean, imagine this. Someone tells you, hey, Jana. Everyone's like, no, we know the world is not as big as you think it is. And you're like, <laughs> no, I know it's fine. I'll just side out. And if I die, we all die. If I'm wrong, we all die. You know, you have to be ballsy. And he, <clears throat> and he manipulated his crew. He kept like two logbooks, one for him, one for his crew and stuff. Lots of conquistadors, <laughs> slaveholders, you know. <laughs> Lots of psychopath in history. I, w- I want to go back Sorry. a little bit to the to the sex stuff yes. and mm-hmm. talk about some of those those links. There is a lot of so yeah, as sure. you as you said, this all exists in a continuum. Oh, it's a spectrum, right? It's a spectrum of how much empathy or how little empathy do you have? How callous yes. are you? How willing are you to yes. hurt people? Right. And mm-hmm. and so on. And the psychopaths would probably, as you said, the one percent. They are the one percent yes. on that continuum, correct? Right? Or on on those set of continua, if Correct. you will, right? But when you take the whole spectrum into consideration and then you 
try to correlate with things like interesting casual sex or yeah. a number of partners, we definitely find correlations between yeah. things like uh, low empathy, uh, the the dark triad yeah. traits, which are Machiavellianism, right? Ma- taking means to an end. Um, narcissism. Narcissism. Psychopathy. And psychopathy, exactly. Yeah. When you're taking psychopathy as this as the spectrum as opposed right, to the, right. the 1%. And you can argue that that was useful. That the oh, reason yes. that that clusters in with the interesting casual sex uh, because it was useful if your interest right. was to make lots of babies yes it would help to not care yes. if the people that you're trying to have babies with want to give you access to their bodies or not especially among men yes. we're finding that interesting casual sex correlates with these yes. kind of callous psychopathy type traits yes. less so for women yes i want to actually add Talk to us about that. add two things about okay. that one is as you know research has shown that the psychopaths are particularly effective in mate poaching Mm. stealing mm-hmm. someone else's mate. Right. And of course, that's what you would predict, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if I don't respect, you know, that it's your girlfriend, but I want it, her, I guess. Yeah. Want her. Fair yeah, whatever. usually girlfriends Sorry. are, are yeah, I'm, I'm from Germany. I'm from Germany. It's like, <laughs> it's all good. It's it. But anyway. It's uh, anyway, not. I'm joking. <laughs> but my point is that uh, you see it as an object, exactly. You have like a trophy idea, like this is mm. my, you have it, but I want it. I will not respect your domain right <laughs> poached a girlfriend sure uh the second you're a conquistador yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. the second thing is about the females um so the interesting thing is there is in the literature is a the, the idea is that uh there's a gender difference in uh, psychopathy in the prevalence that right. the male psychopath is much more common mm-hmm. but that's because they look at in prisons we look at the general population we don't find that gender difference you don't find a gender no. difference in the general population what we, what we find is a difference how it manifests Okay. And the way it manifests is male psychopathy has been criminalized. Mm-hmm. Male psychopathy often uh, manifests as violence. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. people's job, if you do that, to arrest you and put you in prison. Right. right? Male, female psychopathy is manifests often in sexual manipulation. But the idea is you basically want to, the way we think about it is like, it's like basically you use what you have. Like there's like gen, uh, certain stereotypes in, in the society and you use them to your advantage to make sense. Okay, give us examples. You're not expected to be like violent but you're expected to be like, you know, pleasant and nice and and, and, and then you play with that, you know. So and, you get what you want right. by providing sex. But you use sex as a as a means to whatever. Like whatever you want. Like professional advancement, mm-hmm. money, money. Mm-hmm. Um you name it. But you don't respect it. You don't you don't form a, a, an attachment to the person. You like you use them and dispose of them later. So that's that that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Like you do not respect the other person as an individual with feelings and and the reason they don't is because they don't have those feelings. Like, right. Like I, I literally like they don't understand wordplay. They don't understand love. They don't understand love. Love. If you if you press a psychopath, what love is, they will say it's sex or having a good time. I love my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's what they say. That's crazy. I I don't want people to walk away from this thinking the only people who want casual sex are oh, no, psychopaths no, 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 or no, no, are no, no, relatively no, high no, on. No, no, no. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, that are relatively relatively high on all of these you know dark traits. Actually, some research, and I want to see more research doing this. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were a couple of studies who looked at interpersonal warmth. Yes. And interest in casual sex. And they found that people who were on either the high end mm-hmm. or the low end of interpersonal warmth had higher interest in casual sex. So either the people who were very cold, yes. which would be consistent with the psychopath type right. personality, or the people who are very warm, like they were really into people. And so that there there is a very good possibility, I think, based on some right. of these data, that the people who are into lots of casual sex or into just lots of partners, they're either doing it in this very cold, manipulative, whatever, uncaring way, or they're doing it because they have high sex drives and they really like people and love people and right. they want to do it in a way that is consensual and pleasurable for everyone involved. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing it up. That didn't even occur to me that that could be confusing, but now that you mention it, the media loves to confuse people with the following inequality. There's inequality in condition probabilities. For instance, psychopaths, if you're a psychopath, you prefer your coffee black. That is true. And the reason for that is because you're, Dr. You're, 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 you're less... <laughs> oh, my God. You have, <laughs> the case is building hang on, against hang me. On. So you, have, you have less bitter receptors in your... In your you're less... Your taste is different, okay? There are less bitter receptors? Yes. Among psychopaths? Mm-hmm. Now, hear me out. Okay. okay. But what the media... That is true. What the media made out of that, they had a net is 
It's not if you're a psychopath, you like your coffee black. What they ran with is if you like your coffee black, black you're, you're a psychopath. psychopath. Right. <laughs> and that is not the same. That, that right. probability is not the same. Right. Because psychopath is very rare. People who like the coffee black is very common. Right. So you cannot mm-hmm. interchange them. I suspect something like that is true here too. Just because you like casual sex does not mean you're a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But if you're a psychopath, you're probably... Chances in- are you like casual sex. Or like yeah. instrumental sex. Right. Like, like, I'm not even sure it's casual. It's more like instrumental. Like, you, it doesn't mean anything to you. You're using it as a, as a, as a, as a almost like a weapon. Mean to get as a means else. to means to end. Right. That's actually a way to think about psychopaths in general. They use everything as a means to end. They have no respect. They don't respect like what, like I said, what a relationship means to somebody who feels very strong about a relationship. They, they can't quite understand someone else would just use it as a means to an end. So mm. that's kind of the fundamental confusion that there's this like lack of this false consensus effect again. If you are a nice person and you feel like you, you respect other people, you think other people do too, but that's not necessarily the case. Right. Are psychopaths good at sex? Do we know that? Because <laughs> this, this could actually reflect on Jana. So, uh, so, so do we know that? Do they, do they know if, like, are their lovers or partners enjoying that sex? Interesting question. Uh, no one has really looked at that, no? but my guess would be no. And I'll tell you why. Because they don't care about your... It would be selfish, they're right? selfish, right? They're more like takers and givers. So they don't right. really care like, okay. like how you feel about it, okay? And they might literally roofie your drink. I mean, I've, I've personally seen cases where they wow. where the psychopath would do that. So, so they don't really respect you. You know, they like use you as a means to gratify their own. Right. And as John said, it's actually historically, you know, a sexual strategy that works. Like a short-term, lots of short-term sexual relationships. Let me ask you this, John. Why do women like psychopaths? Why do women like psychopaths? Yes, because they like... Because you could end this in one generation. The bad boys. Yeah, the bad mm-hmm. boys. You, you could end this in one generation if you, if you were more like discerning. As a gender, they have more, more babies. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a reproductive thing. It's like a it's like a evolution type. Thing? Yeah, evolution kind of thing. I guess. So. Well, I mean, the, the whole bad boy stereotype. There's the the, the tender defender. The tender um, defender. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of no. of that? <laughs> no. Who's the tender defender? The tender defender. There is this notion that if you have someone who's strong and confident and assertive and dominant. That is attractive because that is going to be successful. Oh, yeah. That person is going to be successful in many ways. Yes. Now, you can never be sure whether that kind of ability to, pr- this person ability to defend and protect you, whether it's going to be directed to you. Yeah. But yeah. if you can, if then, you can have. Then ha- you win. Then you win, yeah. right? So you, it, 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 it fits you. It's reproductively uh, beneficial to be attracted to someone point. who is dominant and assertive and strong and powerful. But yeah. who also shows traits of caring about you. So that's the ten. You know, you want someone who's a tender defender, who's both going to tend to you mm, right. and be able to defend you. And I think a lot of the bad boy kind of personality, yeah, and attraction to that may come from that. That would go with uh, some, of, some of our research suggests, which is the following: that psychopath is kind of like an evolutionary appendix. The idea would be that if we all live in like you know civilization, society, and there's laws and there's rules and all that, right? But what if there wasn't? Mm-hmm. Who's more successful? Right. Who who would survive and make survive? more babies? Who would yeah. survive? The the psychos. Who would survive? Psychopath would survive because they would do whatever it takes to survive. So there's something to that. The question is how do you put a lid on that because we're not living in the state of nature. We don't live in total chaos. And they're really thriving in chaos. Some of them, they thrive in chaos? Oh, yeah. Some of them literally bring about chaos because they will do better under chaotic conditions. Like if there's a war breaking out, the psychopaths will do the best. All right, so can we... Is That's a great note to end yeah. uh, the podcast on. Well, I think we should end on this. <laughs> Dr. Jana is not a psychopath. Oh, right? no, 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 okay. no, 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 good. I think we want to end on a high note, so... Okay, I'm not a psychopath. Why, why, why did you think she was a psychopath? Well, you, there were a lot of hints you were... You were no. like, I like my coffee black. <laughs> yeah? Okay. I don't get depressed. No. I love casual sex. That's all great. And you don't, but, yeah. but those are all the inverse probability. Okay, if you're a psychopath, you like all these things. Yes, of course. But if you like all these things, you don't... Yes. Know, it's but we don't have enough time in the podcast, so I just wanted to make sure that we we, we gavel down on the fact that I don't movie is... people. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, like let, consensual let me, sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a giver as yes, much as I'm a taker. Yes, I'm sure that's true. And your partners and enjoy sex. My probably. partners, I believe, enjoy sex with me and come back for more. And uh, yeah. I am not a manipulative. Yeah, let me bitch. Be, let me be clear about that. Uh, <laughs> be very careful, like diagnosing people. Like to diagnose someone with psychopathy is a very serious process that takes a lot of training, a lot of time. Document review. Uh, I caution people doing that, like willy-nilly based on better, like coffee or. We had a study out that psychopaths have different musical preferences. Mm-hmm. What the media ran with was like that people who 
listen to Justin Bieber are psychopaths. <laughs> because like, more psychopaths like Justin Bieber? Yeah, but, it's a, but A, that's not, it's like mm. more like a pattern. Okay. And also, it's the same thing. If you're a psychopath, you're more likely to like that, yes. But it doesn't mean if you like that, you're a psychopath. Like, so I want to say that right here. That's not, yeah. That is not true. That's just what Good. the media made out of that. And Dr. John is not a big fan of... <laughs> just- I'm not a fan of Justin Bieber, therefore I'm not a psychopath. Yay. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yes. No, but in all seriousness, you got to be very careful of that. It's a very serious label. It's a lot of stigma. As a matter of fact, yes. some psychopaths have contacted me to say that they don't, they don't like the label. They don't want, they want something else. Oh, they want something else. You know what they want? <laughs> what do, oh, what do they want? Uh, homo malior. You know what that means? Homo malior? Yes, you know what that means? No. A superior human. Oh, that, that's what I see themselves as. No way. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, it's fitting. Superior men. And that's how they see themselves as, by the way. They, just to be very clear, they don't have low self-esteem, okay? They, even as ch- children, uh, let me ask this show. Uh-oh. A non-psychopathic child, if you ask them, how do you feel about yourself, what they will say on average? I'm happy. But give me a number from one to ten. Oh, one to ten. Uh, about yourself. Yeah, uh, six. Six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. what a normal non-psychopathic child will say. What, is, what do you think a psychopathic or a chronic disorder child will say? Nine tens. 11, 12, oh, geez. 15, 20. <laughs> oh, all right. Really? <laughs> yes. And uh, that's actually the crazy thing. They, they think they're amazing even though their life is like usually chaotic and crazy and they can't keep a job, can't yeah. keep a relationship. But they think they're better than you because they don't, they're not polluted by these emotions. But anyway. Fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, we have to sure. bring this to an end. Of course. We're getting kicked no, thank, out of the studio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming and chatting with us about all of this. Pascal has some data on a, a large data set yeah. that, m- among many things, he asked whether people are interested in uh, sadism and yeah. or masochism. And so we've been talking about collaborating on a, on a paper to look at what are some, some personality traits and other characteristics of the people who are interested in and or M versus those who are not interested Ooh, in S or yeah. M. So we might have to have uh, Pascal up. back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, once we get that paper yeah, out. I, I, uh, as, a, as, a, as a spoiler preview, uh, I believe <laughs> we have the lar- world's largest data set on personality traits, childhood, and things like that mm-hmm. of people who are into BDSM. Wow. And well, I, I, S and M. The only right, questions yes, are right, about right. sadism and masochism. Right. We don't have a broader... Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't more specific. She wasn't a consultant of the project I when was we got not, the data. I was okay. not, I unfortunately. Heard, I heard psychopaths boast about large data sets. Is that true? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> uh, but they like, to, they like to boast. <laughs> Dr. Pascal Walsh, thank you so much for being on the Science of Sex podcast. Thanks so much. I like your friends, Dr. Jana. Yeah. They're cool people. I know. And even though he wasn't a sex guy, mm-hmm. he had a lot of sexy knowledge. <laughs> knowledge that helped <laughs> us in this part, episode. Yes. Yeah. So do we have another one of your buddies coming next week? or? <laughs> I do, actually. Really? Yeah, the person coming on next week is someone I met. Remember that trip to Morocco? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's when I met him. He's also not a sex researcher. Oh. He has a number of studies on some of the hormones and neurotransmitters that are relevant, like the sex hormone testosterone, and then also oxytocin and vasopressin, which are dubbed the bonding hormones. And so he's going to come on the show and talk to us about some of those effects of administering testosterone or oxytocin or vasopressin to humans and seeing what happens to the way they think and interact with other humans and so on. All right, you seem to be really good buddies with him, but you haven't mentioned his name. What's, oh, yeah. <laughs> did I forget to mention his yeah, name? Yeah, <laughs> His name is Dr. Gideon Nave, who's a marketing assistant professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Cool. Well, by the way, you know, since you've brought all these friends onto the program, I have a friend of mine who works at Subway, the sandwich shop. <laughs> Would he, would he be qualified to come on the show? I don't think he would be qualified, but uh. you never know. There might be a, a scientist uh, working, I don't know, some part-time job, job? Okay. At, at the local subway. But you don't think possible. any of my friends are working on their PhD right now at the subway? I I wouldn't make that <laughs> assumption. Very nice. You might have. I mean, you have me as a friend, sure. as a PhD. I so can have a PhD have... student working at a subway sandwich <laughs> shop. All right. Till next time, Dr. Shana. Bye. To connect with Dr. Jana and Joe, go to the scienceofsexpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Science of Sex Pod and follow us on Facebook at the Science of Sex Podcast. Subscribe now to listen to the weekly podcast.